Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hello, Internet, and welcome back to the Engadget Podcast. I'm Senior Editor Devendra Hardwar. I'm Reviews Editor Sherlyn Lowe. And we are back from Thanksgiving. We are stuffed with turkey. We're also stuffed in a very tiny room here at uh, Verizon headquarters, I guess, uh, or our office, whatever we call that. It's very small. The furnace is on full blast. And we also have a window that's pretty much open to the street. So very, very great for recording, Sherlyn. Thanks a lot for choosing this room. I did. I, what? I feel like you like blaming me for everything, Devendra. Today, we're going to be talking about mobile chips and specifically Qualcomm, because Qualcomm just had a big event uh, over in Hawaii where they invited a bunch of press and they made a ton of announcements. And I think it's worth talking about this stuff. Uh, y- you see these things going around. You see like Snapdragon plus model number plus all sorts of stuff. And this stuff happens all year round. Why is it important, Sherlyn? I mean, I think we want to preface this by saying that this is probably one of the nerdiest things I'll ever talk about. I I don't have a lot of nerd cred or geek cred, but this this is where I like shine. And yeah, this stuff is important to know about because it powers every little thing that has a computer in your life. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, smartphones, obviously, when you mention mobile chips, is the first thing that comes to mind. But there's tablets, laptops, your computers. And I mean, think about it, anything that has that can think for itself. Anything that's smart. Yeah. So smart displays. Uh, if you have a smart fan, it's got a chip. If you have, a, you know, a Dyson air purifier has chips too. So sure, sure. So why. it is worth. I, I think it is worth knowing what's coming. Yes. Next year, because you can basically, if you squint really hard, you can start to see the shape of like what the phones are going to be like next year, what the other cool devices are going to be like. So yeah, Qualcomm showed off a bunch of new stuff, uh, starting with their flagship processor. We also got some mid-range tech and some interesting new features coming next year. Uh, Sherlyn, what is the star of the show? Every year, whenever Qualcomm rolls out its new chips, it's always the flagship phone, right? The Snapdragon 865 is Mm -hmm. the highlight of the show uh, as I think expected, and it's expect. I mean, we we can probably guess it'll show up in next year's flagships. Like, hey, if there's a Galaxy S11, sure. pretty much confirmed. I don't know. Well, you think Samsung's going to make a new phone next year? I I don't know. It doesn't I think know. I don't think it does want uh, it wants to make. Money and we've also I think uh, Xiaomi and Oppo are both like, yeah, we're on this. We have phones coming with this, right? Uh, Xiaomi and Oppo tend to be companies that jump, uh, you know, mm-hmm. into trends really quickly. But actually, the companies that were there this year yeah. announcing they'll be using these chips are Nokia and, well, Nokia as an HMD Global mm-hmm. and Motorola. Gotcha. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised with Xiaomi and Oppo. Yeah. That gets a little more confusing because Nokia, they're not using this chip. They're using the other chip. And we're going to we're gonna start we'll to break to this it. down so you guys can understand what's happening. But basically, the 865 is going to be the one you're going to see in the most powerful Android phones next year exactly and uh you know 
Qualcomm spends a lot of time uh, researching features like, hey, how do we make our chip more appealing to these uh, OEMs so that they want to use it to power their phones? So they'll think of power efficiency as one of the things. And that led, I think, Qualcomm to come up with fast charge as a whole thing way back when. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't attribute the entire technology to them, but they did push it They really did push it. And it took – I remember seeing their demo units like – early on and it took years for anybody to even adopt fast charging and even now it's here but you need you got to make sure you have the right power supply Mm -hmm. you have to make sure like everything is just so for you to even take advantage of that and so that's why it's really worth paying attention to the features that qualcomm says it's going to enable in the Mm -hmm. snapdragon 865 because then their partners like samsung they do work with samsung right will adopt them in future phones so really what we're getting is sort of like a crystal ball look at what's to come in phones next year um i mean to me, the 865 is kind of what everyone is looking for, but I was intrigued by some other things. So sure, sure, sure. That. Let's, uh, we'll get to that. But basically, what can we expect from the 865? So, Faster, of course. Every year, right, yeah. there's performance improvements. So this year we're getting about like 20% better performance, so faster as well as uh, more power efficient so you get longer battery life for if the battery's not being devoted to other stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, but what really blew me away with the 865, which is, Again, one of the nerdiest things I'll ever say. I've when I took the briefing with Qualcomm about this chip, it was the first time I had ever heard the word gigapixel. God, I was like, I did see that at their presentation. I was like, oh, we're doing this now. Yeah. Okay. So, what what did you think gigapixel was going to lead to? I think Qualcomm is very desperate for more marketing buzzwords, and they just want they just want a thing. So we can count gigapixels huh. on our new chips. So, yeah. giga, I mean, gigapixel is not a marketing buzzword. It's an actual unit. A gigapixel is a billion pixels or a thousand megapixels. Sure. And, uh, you know, what, I mean, I get that it's a fancy What word. does it mean to me, Sherlyn? I'm going to explain to you why gigapixel is okay. important now. Okay. okay. So basically, on a CPU, there's a lot of different components. One of these is an image signal processor or an ISP. Uh, Qualcomm has upgraded its ISP for the 865 to be able to process so fast, it's doing so at 2 gigapixels a second, which is basically four times more pixels per clock cycle than before. (laughs) These are words I never thought I would hear myself say, but I am saying clock cycle. Okay. Basically, um, it's just really, really fast. And what this has enabled Qualcomm to do is to lower the clock speed of the image signal processor to be um, more Lowering thermally clock efficient speed is good. Exactly. Yes. So when when things aren't running at the, as high or as fast, there's less like heat generated, mm-hmm. and so it can actually do more things. So um, smartphone cameras have typically been constrained by obviously thermals because you know the, the body of the phone is so small, yeah. it gets hot really easily. If you ever try to like record 4K on your phone for too long, you'll you'll feel it. It'll you'll feel warm. it, yeah. and it'll stop working. Right. Yeah. So here's what this improvement will be able to do: phones with the eight. 65 will be able to record at high frame rates at high resolution for much longer and high frame rates means what like you can do extremely slow motion right mm-hmm. so a frame rate that's as high as 960 fps which is as far as we've gone on a phone so far yeah uh can actually record for as long as unlimited according to sure. qualcomm with the oh, caveat God. i cannot wait for those boring boring youtube videos of just Oh, Here's super an slow-mo? Hour of slow-mo. You wouldn't okay. do a video of Sophia in slow-mo for like, I, I don't mean, know, I one do, minute. I do, but you gotta, it's a tool. You gotta use it you know, judiciously. Yeah. Sure, but right, but that, what the thing enables mm-hmm. is that like before, like say with the Galaxy S10 or with a Sony Xperia XZ1 mm-hmm. or something, you, you could only record in bursts of like 
0.2 seconds of slow-mo really? of yeah. a 960 fps slow-mo so being able to have a little more control over when you start and stop slow-mo is that's, actually that's something to me important um i don't i don't think people really need more than like 240 fps slow-mo like, things get ridiculous speaking, like once you go much higher yeah, yeah but yeah. speaking of 240 fps yeah. you can actually record slow-mo in 240 fps at 4k resolution that's hot. That's so this means a lot for people who create content, right? Who are making videos on their phones, want to post them to YouTube, all of that stuff. Um, yeah, people creating content aren't using their phones for this. That's, I, I start to wonder, like, what are what are the actual practical applications of this? Because somebody, if you're a YouTuber or something, you have you have a nice camera, you have a real camera, you have a mirrorless, you have something. Uh, unless you're like a high school kid just trying to get into YouTube, and then you may just use your phone or something. I mean, yeah. it it pushes like the the limits of what a phone can do, and yeah. it also like lets people get into for people who are more like beginner level who want to do more of this stuff with their phone, they can experiment with it a little bit more. And I mean, I'm not a YouTuber, mm-hmm. but I like to create content for my own social media. <laughs> that sounds like such a weird thing to say. I want to create content, but there you God. go. Um, anyhow, I'm yeah. very stoked for the camera um, improvements. That's not the only thing, obviously, that's new about the A65. There's, you know, this the ISP being so much faster uh, means it can help with processing more data. Um, and so it can actually take or enable phones to take pictures that are as sharp as 200 megapixels, which is pretty crazy. Sure. But we need we need. We need the sensors. We need a sensor. Like, we need a lot of stuff to make that happen. We need the components. And Xiaomi already has a phone that's 108 megapixels sharp, right? And so. I think Richard Lai wrote up something about that. And we saw some examples of it. He sure did. It looks pretty hot. Um, Here's the thing, though. Like, these features sound really cool. It sounds like it's going to be very fast. I am wondering how does the 865 compare? How will it compare to, like, Apple's best? And it's really, it's tough to tell right now because we don't have like official benchmarks of the 865 yet. But looking here at Geekbench, um, Geekbench Mobile, Geekbench Mobile, it is always really interesting that um, basically the top benchmarks are always Apple products. And right now it's like the iPhone 11 Pro Max is kind of leading the charge here. So I'm seeing like the first thing with the Snapdragon 855 is the OnePlus 7 Pro, which is one of the fastest Android phones out there. That's uh that's scoring a 728. Uh there are the iPhone 7 with the A10 Fusion scores slightly higher than that. The iPhone 7. Like this is really interesting because it, like Apple has always had this performance advantage I think it right? begs the question of kind of how these benchmarks are testing, sure, right? I sure. mean, I you kind of have to wonder cuz I've used both an iPhone 7 and the OnePlus 7 Pro or yeah. Right. And it's hard to just by my human eye, observe a remarkable difference in yeah. speed between and the benchmarks two. test very different things in actual practical usage. But I've my dad still has an iPhone seven, and like when I have to like play with that to deal with him, like it's still like it still feels snappy and smooth and fast in a way that honestly even a lot of like Android phones don't for me. I almost do like what it is is uh, software bloat sometimes yes, that yes. slows down all these things. All these Android phones, Apple has sometimes better software, but mm-hmm. I will say that degradation over time is an equal problem for both sure, OSs. Sure, sure. So anyway, that was again... anyway. But basically, if you look at if you look at Geekbench's charts, which is what's really interesting, is Samsung's like their own mobile processor is the Exynos. Uh, which is also, uh, you know, it's their own processor, also based on, like, ARM hardware, too, right? So it's all sharing a lot with the Snapdragon line. Um, those are scoring faster than the 855. Um, 
it, yeah. it does sound to me then like when you're when the company is able to make all the components of the chip of yes. the phone themselves, they have an advantage. They can That's, tune yeah. the the CPU to work very well with their hardware. And it's their a software. tale as old as time. I'm reminded of like before Apple switched over to Intel, and I actually remember the very day that happened. Um, like I was working in IT, and I was like, oh man, first of all, this is going to mean we have to completely redo how we handle Macs, but also, it basically means Macs are the same as PCs. But back when Macs were running PowerPC processors, like you couldn't really benchmark them directly against x86 chips because they just performed so differently. Uh, but they worked really well because they were finely tuned for Apple's hardware. So that relationship, that's basically where we are with iOS right now because Apple is just going all in on developing their own stuff. Uh, they just picked up Intel's modem uh hardware at this point like that whole business from intel which is surprising as hell and who knows what that's going to mean in the future probably a more efficient 5g phone than maybe what we're going to see from other companies uh well, how about 5g by the way because like this is this is qualcomm's flagship processor surely they thought of 5g somehow <laughs> uh, right they did uh the <laughs> the uh snapdragon 865 is a 5g compatible phone with the giant caveat that it's not integrated 5g compatible That's um, how, that reminds me of like when HDTVs were getting off the ground I was like this is hd compatible but not not quite it it, it I don't even really understand how to explain this very well <laughs> just because it sounds like more of how right it sounds like Qualcomm's packaging slash marketing this themselves <laughs> to manufacturers to like convince them to buy the entire package, right? Yeah. So basically the 865 doesn't come with its own 5G radio or modem on board. It's a separate chip. So if you see the marketing pictures of the 865, you'll notice two square things next to a nickel or a dime uh, or a penny uh, as opposed to one little thing, which you'll see in pictures for sure. its other chips that are integrated. So that's, that's cheating a little. Like it seems like this is actually kind of a, failure from Qualcomm like I think a, a lot of people expected them to have this very nicely packaged all-in-one thing of they... 5G and their fastest chip and they did not deliver that so I asked that exact yeah. question to to Qualcomm when they briefed me and the answer is that uh it's <laughs> the excuse I've been, is I've been holding this back from Devendra and not telling him because I want to see his genuine okay, reaction okay. to this. Okay, the the wording I was given was that we're bullish about 5G in every device launching with 865. The reason why we didn't integrate it was because three years ago, when the platform was being designed, we didn't want our partners to go through the painstaking task of deciding whether to integrate or make it a discrete modem. And so we just made it one option, discrete. And if you look at the multimedia features packed into this platform, you'll see why we kept them separate. I mean, that, I mean that's not an answer. That's an excuse. That's basically. that's like, the yeah. reasoning they're 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 giving. Uh huh. Um, and basically, it to to parse that that PC speak for y'all. It just means that like if if Qualcomm were to squeeze the five G modem onto the chipset, then they wouldn't be able to give other features like perhaps the ISP wouldn't be able to be as fast, or sure. uh, you know, four K HDR recording might not be able to be a thing, and. Uh, I don't know, sure. they might have to have a smaller hexagon processor for less powerful AI processing. So there's a lot of, that's that's what they're saying. That's what they're saying. I mean, I, I see what they're saying. I, I hear the logistics of this. It just feels like, man, we want all these crazy features into the flagship processor to like, uh, I guess you'll just have to plug in this whole other thing here. Basically, none of this really means much to consumers. Like you'll still get your very nicely packaged smartphone. But by having everything integrated, which is something AMD has done really well over the past couple of years in terms of like integrating CPU and GPU together, you can really have like a nice, efficient package. And efficiency is really what we want with smartphones. We want better battery life. We want like our stuff to perform better. 
without draining as much power. And it's just kind of disappointing. The chip nerd in me is disappointed that Qualcomm couldn't pull this off. But it turns well, out... it they turns... do. They did. Yeah? Yes. You, I know you know this because we all did our homework. Um, they have, right? Qualcomm did announce its very first integrated 5G modem on a chip. And it is the Snapdragon 765 and the 765G. Now, with the 7 label, we understand that this is slightly less high-end uh, compared mm-hmm. to the 865. But... Qualcomm was able to use a 7 nanometer process and still include a 5G radio. Now, to be clear, this is a different modem than the one that's on or pairs with the right. 865. But it's right? still a 5G modem. It's still a 5G modem. Yeah. It hits slower speeds. It supports all the same technologies like millimeter wave, sub-6, uh, dynamic spectrum sharing, or s- DSS is the is the acronym. Um, but it hits only up to like 3.5 gigabits per second as compared to the 7.5 you'll get on, oh, the, no. on the 865, oh, no. which does that make a big difference to people? We don't know. But yeah. uh, it does allow for all the things that you were talking about of having uh, radio on the chip, right? The power efficiency that you'll get from there. And that's kind of key. Because like, we have 5G phones right now. There are a handful on the market. People testing them, they work. They're fine where you can find reception. But... They are very, very hot. They drain a lot of power. They will drain that battery really quickly. It reminds me of when, like, the first LTE phones kind of hit the market. And I remember walking around Brooklyn and testing out the HTC Evo 4G, which was this big honking thing uh, with a kickstand. as a kickstand. Yeah. Uh, send your hate mail to Sherlyn. <laughs> just sh- just shout on the internet to Sherlyn. It'll it'll find its way to her. Uh, but the, the Evo 4G was like a nice big honking phone um, back when HTC could actually make devices. Um, but all, it was it was fast, but it was also too big and too clunky and had such little battery life. Like it wasn't very usable. And it took us another couple of years for us to get like good LTE phones. So and, the other thing yeah. you mentioned about, um, you know, the 5G devices that exist today. Yes. Other than the fact that their battery life is impacted, they're also the highest end phones, the flagship phones that get them yeah. first. Right. What the 765 could do is because it's packed into a it's it's for clearly for mid range or slightly less high end phones. It should push 5G devices out on a more affordable level good. and put them in the hands of more people. And that's I think that that's need. more yeah. important. That's yeah. what we need. So we need like a Next year and certainly into 2021 and 22, we need affordable 5G phones. Um, and I, I honestly think the carriers still need to like prove why. Why would anybody need a 5G phone when like your LTE connection, assuming you're in a city, is in a very good like you're it's fast enough. So I think they still need to sell 5G. And I should also say, um, you know, we are Engadget is owned by Verizon. So Verizon is a big carrier trying to push 5G. Uh, I will also say Verizon does not listen to us or, you know, influence us in any way. Otherwise, uh, maybe their 5G rollout would be a little different. Chips, chips, chips. Great, great, great. Right. But Qualcomm also makes other components. Um, And one of these is the ultrasonic fingerprint sensor that it released. Ultrasonic fingerprint sensor ultrasonic fingerprint sensor ultrasonic fingerprint sensor uh it's the one that the samsung uses in the galaxy note 10 and the galaxy s10 series for the in-screen uh fingerprint so you can put your thumb right on the screen you don't need like a special exactly exactly compared to compared to the rest of the industry at the time uh which were using optical in display fingerprint sensors like uh, oneplus (laughs) and yeah um you know qualcomm took a different tack and went for ultrasonic and you know they already at the time claimed that there were a lot of different 
uh, benefits to that, which is, you know, you won't be able to fool it as easily, apparently, because it's not looking for an image of your fingerprint. Rather, it's, you know, detecting kind of the texture of the surface of your fingers. Sure. Great. Lots of security benefits. This year at the Tech Summit, Qualcomm announced a new version of its ultrasonic in-display fingerprint sensor called the 3D Sonic Max. And that Max usually has a connotation of bigger. And in this case, the big news about the new fingerprint sensor is that it's bigger, 17 times bigger. And the first time it's I heard... It's bigger than before. It's much bigger than before. The first thing I thought when Qualcomm first pitched me this, they were like, oh, yeah, we want to, like, you know, brief you on the fingerprint sensor that's new. And I was like, well, what's so new about it? And they were like, it's bigger. I was like, huh? <laughs> I was like, great. Well, you know, but after I took the briefing, got all the detailed information, I was like, oh, wait, no, this is going to be a big deal. Huh, big deal. But it's it's not. OK, so I didn't know this, I guess, before, sure. but I didn't know that, like, in existing mobile devices like your phone and even on your laptop, sometimes the size of the sensor is only four by nine millimeters. And that's barely like there's a fraction of your fingerprint. Mm -hmm. And that means when people or your devices are trying to look for your, you know, fingerprint to identify you, they're really looking at just a sliver of it. So anyone else that has might not be, you know, having the same exact fingerprint as you, but has a small portion that's similar enough. That's not a that's okay, not, that's not a, a real that's not a very realistic use case. Okay. But if we think about it that way, right? Uh -huh. That that's that's what it's saying. If it's a smaller piece, so a bigger sensor can is inherently more sure. stringent. It gets more of your finger. Should be yes. Yeah, it's looking for more, more signs. It should logically already be more secure, but yeah. this time around is big enough. The fingerprint sensor is big enough to detect two fingers at a time. That's exactly what I want to do with my phone. Look, <laughs> I know the first impression you're going to get is like, "Oh my god, do I want to unlock my phone with two fingers?" No, that's Devendra's voice, by mm -hmm. the way. And what it really means is just additional security for your more sensitive information like sure. your banking app before you sign in like right now i guess i didn't i didn't really want to tell the whole world but i guess i'll tell the whole world right now i signed in my banking app with my fingerprint sensor right yeah, there's nothing and, wrong with that just don't tell everybody your pin is one two three four five how did you know um but here's but yeah so basically i would be totally okay signing into say my credit card app with two fingers at a sure, time sure. or if i wanted to approve like a google pay transaction and they ask for two fingers at a time mm -hmm. i'd be more than happy to for that added security you know what i really want i want that like the hp privacy screen stuff oh, I love like that. i would love like on the phone if you're in a secure app like boom nobody yes. can see yes. on the periphery what you're doing like it's only straight on uh, maybe next year qualcomm listen to us Screen tech. Yeah. Um, but so this will, I mean, this is hot. I just like it. Um, That's cool. And so what it also means is that it will it could be faster at determining your yes. fingerprint too. Like, so you don't have to like hit like one specific area on the screen. Exactly. Because like with Touch ID and with the old things, like you had like this groove. You had like a thing that you knew you were going to hit. You could tell. With the on-screen stuff, you don't. It's just all screens. Yes. So I guess this, this could be more useful. I see Yeah. That. And also when you're enrolling your fingerprint now, you don't have to like lift and press, lift and press, press a I few mean, times. Yeah. One thing you have to do, it's, it's like 30 seconds times. of work. It's 16 to 20 yeah. times now down to just one. All right. Okay. That's, all right. Uh, I mean, That's nice. it's great. Oh, okay. All right. Um, and there's other benefits like it's just inherently just a bit more secure and also we'll see this when like several years from now, probably. No, I mean, I listen to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, Qualcomm hasn't said anything. No partners have officially said anything. But I'm willing to wager a fair amount oh, of yeah. my holiday bonus 
which is zero dollars, that Samsung is going to use it in the Note 11 or the rumored yeah, S11. Yeah, that makes sense. Samsung is so thirsty. Samsung is always hot on whatever Qualcomm produces, like to get those features out there. So, I don't know that thirsty is the right they're word. They're so thirsty. But okay. How many flagship phones does Samsung have right now? They are the thirstiest of Android phone makers. How many flagship phones does Apple have? I mean, three. Yeah, that's the same number as uh, Samsung. <laughs> Anyhow. Um, there's other other features on the 865 also, right? Qualcomm uh, launched this thing called the Elite Gaming Platform a while back, and the 865 and the 765G take advantage of uh, some of them, uh, not all. So there's this thing that the Elite Gaming enables called desktop forward rendering. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you are familiar with desktop gaming software and the Unreal Engine, you have heard of forward rendering, which basically means you can get um, very intricate and sophisticated lighting effects uh, okay. process. And um, what happens is in the past when you needed to port this sort of software or processing over to a phone, you needed to make some trade-offs to make it run more efficiently or within the constraints of like temperature for such a device. The 865 will enable that without all of the trade-offs you have to make. So you get the same lighting effects on a phone as you would on a desktop. So like desktop class graphics basically on a phone. Which is nice. Uh, Android devices, Android in general, is not really thought of as a gaming platform. And that's something Apple has done a lot better with iOS. Like iOS games look better. And certainly with Apple Arcade, they're really like selling that platform as like a gaming-centric thing. So... Nice to see some progress here. Who knows what this will mean in the Yeah, end. developers have to really get on board. And yeah. I think that uh, this will mean better things for mobile gaming and maybe even streaming games uh, in the future. There's a few other things with um, uh, the gaming stuff, too, like... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, updated GPU drives uh, separated from the OS updates as well as... Um, That's useful because OS updates take forever. Take forever. So getting, getting like more optimized GPU stuff... It's still tied to good. the phone maker though. So like I wouldn't expect it to be that much speedier, honestly. Um, yeah, but there's a lot, there's so much I could go into with the, with the Snapdragon 865. I would say if you're dying for all of the details, please go to Engadget.com. I have like written an exhaustive piece on okay. it. So basically, Sherlyn, it seems like Qualcomm is just like still Qualcomming on. Like this is the stuff we've been hearing for the past few years: faster chips, more features, things like that. Here's I don't I don't think they're really in any pressure to innovate or accelerate much, just because they're they're everywhere right now, right? Like every everybody has to use Qualcomm's chips I... if you're not Apple. No, come on. I mean, I would say, if anything, Qualcomm, this is the time that Qualcomm's more nervous than ever before because, you know, you've Apple and Qualcomm's relationship is seriously screwed. Yes. And that, th- that um, lawsuit has been going on oh, forever. Yeah. Not just that one law, there's yeah. multiple and yeah, it's going to go on forever. Then there's companies like Huawei that are making seriously, you know, powerful and impressive chipsets now, like with the Kirin 900 series, or Huawei is really taking the lead in some innovation. And then there's companies like Samsung making his own chips as well, Exynos, and, yeah. uh, you know, there's MediaTek, which it is It seems like known. Samsung is, like, even scaling back a little just because making chips is hard. It's a, it's a big thing. Huawei can do it because, like, 
they're they're huge they're huge and also they're mainly just focused on china like they're not really they've going also, outside of china yeah. they've also got a lot of experience making networking equipment more yeah. so i think yeah. than samsung but here's the thing right we, you mentioned just now that like vertical integration and we talked about this vertical mm-hmm. integration is generally a good thing for phone makers uh and i agree i do think though that qualcomm still has a reason to exist because not all companies can afford to or have the expertise sure. to make their own chips uh and well that, that's basically qualcomm what i said companies. is like that they, they're they're here. This is sort of like why maybe I'm a little disappointed that their flagship didn't get the integrated 5G because like there is there's no serious competition. There's no like AMD nipping at their heels like there is for Intel. And that, by the way, that whole fight between AMD and Intel over the past few years has led to cheaper chips and better hardware and like a lot of great stuff. Qualcomm just doesn't really have that. And they're just going to keep trucking on basically right this is a funny question uh really only for people who know the industry very well but would you consider mediatek to be a good competitor for Qualcomm? I, so mediatek is you know occasionally you'll see us write about them in gadget we don't write about them as much as we do like this qualcomm stuff but their hardware is it like in what smart devices so yes. like smart speakers you know simpler things tvs, TVs uh sound yeah. bars your smart displays the mediatek's in a lot of things actually. sure but it, yeah it's more you know they're in like everyday objects whereas qualcomm's like focused on like phones and tablets and like smarter more computing more like demanding device. yeah more demanding and you know i I, ju- I just feel like qualcomm is sitting pretty too because they basically helped what they helped develop the 5g standard like they're this is all stuff they should know like they should know how to integrate 5g better into their hardware so yeah, yeah it's a we, little disappointing we were i mean not to deviate too far but just because you mentioned 5g i was very disappointed to find out that like uh some of the technologies that qualcomm shared with me when they were you know talking about 5g earlier was beam beam forming and mm-hmm. uh beam tracking these were technologies that were supposed to be you know pushing forward millimeter wave but i just learned quite recently that these aren't actually in any of the 5g uh, capable devices just womp, yet womp. so that was very sad but here's the thing another sign that qualcomm is at least a little nervous about its position in the industry is all its other dev- products right they don't only make chips for phones anymore they also make pc chips and the windows on snapdragon platform has been brewing for the longest time and we're both kind of yeah you right really now. like that uh, surface I pro really X. Loved it. it's really going very well i yeah. feel i feel i was very bullish and very excited for windows I, i've yet to see i the snapdragon laptops you've brought in they look very pretty they yes. often have nice hardware they function terribly because Windows as a platform has never like really a lot of software doesn't work on ARM. It's it's yeah, it's not built for ARM. Yeah, basically. and that's yeah. a massive problem. I I will say that the performance is all right. It's not the it's the you know SQ1 chip that's on the Surface Pro X, which is you know co-engineered by Microsoft and Qualcomm. Are both are it was you know I didn't feel like it was super slow or anything it was fine except for when you're using Chrome yeah, too much things or, don't work. So, but the major yeah. problem is that Microsoft and Qualcomm need to figure out a way to either get every app on Windows on ARM or find a way to tell people when something's not compatible because right now when you're trying to install an app or when you're trying to download an yeah. app there's no clear indicator as to whether this will run on your system or not. And that's the biggest problem about Windows on Snapdragon. Um, but, uh, you know, this week, Qualcomm also unveiled two new chips uh, for the Windows on Snapdragon platform called the 8C and the 7C. 
One of the big problems about Windows and Snapdragon <laughs> devices before was that they were very expensive for no reason. Sure. sure. And so the 8C and the 7C are more, you know, mid-range and entry-level devices to encourage kind of the growth of that sort of machine uh, in the Windows and Snapdragon or the Snapdragon PC so space. So they'll be even slower, but still not work with me. Man, I, yeah, yeah, I didn't. Yeah. I don't know if they totally thought this through. I don't know about the strategy through. here. <laughs> it's things like this. Uh, they did. Uh, they also what showed off the XR2 chip, which is going to be something in like all-in-one VR headsets, sort mm. of like the the Oculus Quest. That's interesting. With yeah. a surprise bonus of 5G. <laughs> 5G. Which kind 5G. of makes sense, 5G right? Everywhere. Because 5G is going to be in everything. 5G is not only supposed oh, to be God. good for your phones, but it's meant to kind of power this ever-present, uh, yeah. you know, intranet. Basically, I'm still, I want 5G to be a thing. I just know, like, looking at the reality of the situation and covering this stuff for years, it's such a it's such a mess. Like, once 5G works on VR, I feel like we'll have made it because VR requires really low latency, a lot of data. Like, if you can make that happen on an all-in-one headset, then we're going to be great. I have, I, I will say I have seen demos of VR on 5G. I mean, I think you have to. And, yeah, no, that future is quite pretty. Okay, so we've done our homework. Sherlyn, thank you for the Qualcomm primer. What does this mean for next year's phones? Like, will they look any different? Will they function any differently? What can we expect, do you think? I think we can expect serious improvements in camera performance uh, in next year's flagships. Gigapixels! Yeah, gigapixels! Sure, sure. Um, and then maybe, you know, next year's laptops might have 5G. Um, I mean, Lenovo's already confirmed that it Lenovo's will have confirmed a 5G We're laptop. hearing certainly a lot. I feel like that's going to be a big thing yeah. at CES. Although... That's, you know, at 5G modems, that's not part of, like, their new slate of things. Like, with 5G and laptops, that's an easy thing. What do you think this means for phones? Like, will this help the dual screen devices we've been hearing about, folding devices, like, so, as new a, form factors? Yeah. As a person who covers chipsets like you do, you know, I sometimes get bored by, like, how every year the, the news is, uh, 35% yeah, better power. Yeah. But I think I now see that this is where we've been kind of building towards, right? We need all this power for a reason, and that is... Because now one we chip, need another screen. Now one yeah. chip can power two screens <laughs> or a one giant folding screen, and sure. uh, you know still be power efficient enough so that the same size battery can last you all day. Um, and you know hopefully this means that we'll see more of these. I'm not sure that the 865 has the power to do that, but mm -hmm. we'll see. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I don't think form factors, as much as I loathe that term, uh, are going to change too much. Other I mean, than we that. did see. So we saw the mo the new Moto Razor. Which has one of the it's, wildest, you know, ideas for a folding phone. Which I'm not, not something that super compels me. But that thing is running a very slow, oh, very man. old Qualcomm chip, and I think that's very telling. Like they, they really need something low power. They need, that's a device made for style, not for function. It's and, so thin yeah, and yeah. it's so pretty. And I think some people even saw it coming. But the surprise yeah. there for me, and I wasn't surprised by the Razer, the folding one at all. But, mm -hmm. but the fact that it uses a Snapdragon 710 yeah. baffles Which is the a hell out of me. Two-year-old chip, two it's... years old, because the current generation before the 765 was a yeah. 730. No one's going to get that, that Razer basically to run the latest games. You're going to get that to pop show open that off. thing and show mm -hmm. off and do these sort of like uh, it reminds me of like when the the matrix came out and like that was the nokia there the was like one phone. of the, yeah one of the first ones that like kind of flipped up that was a good feeling i do miss like contouring with my phones one of my first i think my first 3g phone was the helio ocean which was a rebadged yeah you wouldn't know in in singapore that was a rebadged korean phone mm -hmm. but it folded in it it like slid in two ways. It folded up. It slid up vertically to get to the number pad, and it slid horizontally for the keypad. 
That's for like cool. yeah uh, typing and that was that was pretty wild like we were in a really weird time so i'm looking forward to like weird devices like that i'm not as looking forward to like folding screens but certainly things like what microsoft is doing with the surface duo uh they're, they're, i don't know devices next year are going to be interesting at least and Qualcomm and other chip makers will be there to power it all. You sound very tired, Trillin. We are all very tired here because we are also very much in the midst of our CES prep for early January. So strap, strap in, people. Like there, There's going to be tons of news. That's mainly what we're working on and a lot of retrospectives uh, looking back on this year, too. So that's that's going to be a lot of our December content. I just wanna, I just wanna survive this month and survive CES and emerge victorious into 2020, please. I'm already sick, so you all have that to look forward to. Yeah, and also if any of us get sick after this episode, blame Sherlin. I am patient zero. Let's move on to Engadget picks. Uh, this week, I just wanted to talk about Knives Out, which is the next film by Ryan Johnson, a director I love very much. I've loved all of his movies. I remember seeing his first movie, Brick in a crappy little theater in Hartford. I dragged my brother there. There was nobody else in the audience. It was just me and my brother. But like when I started my movie podcast, one of the first things we did was like, let's get Brian Johnson on. Let's try to talk to him. So around Brothers Bloom and Looper, we've had a couple interviews. He's a super cool guy. He loves trolling us with his banjo. This movie is one of the best times I've had in the theater this year. So if you're looking for a fun, like a Nice thing to go see to get your mind out of like the holiday malaise or a fun thing to see with your family. It is funny. It's a great little murder caper. It's a, it's a classic whodunit, but he is so smart. The dialogue is so snappy and the characters are all so great. And I also love Daniel Craig in full on like Southern mode, similar to like Logan Lucky. Uh, in Logan Lucky, he plays like this uh, uh, explosives expert, quote unquote, uh, named Joe Bang. In this movie, Daniel Craig plays a basically like a New Orleans detective named Benoit Blanc. Oh god. And he is it's just like so good. Like a great like Cajun accent he's working on. It's it's just it's so much fun. Cajun slash like Southern fried detective stuff. Great movie, great cast. I'm sure Sherlin will like it a lot. Uh hey. what have you um, surely your pick, Sherlyn, will be just as interesting. My pick is pretty, pretty hot. I bought myself a fantastic gift this Black Friday, and it arrived a few days ago, and I'm so happy. It's a shredder. And I I have to tell you, I am one of the most <laughs> paranoid people there can be when it comes to my privacy. I'm the sort of person that will magnetize my hard drive before like I do anything, uh-huh. like disposing of it. So I bought a shredder off of Amazon. It's an Amazon Basic. It's a... Like Amazon Basic, like me, um, cross like, cut or straight cut? Straight cut, sadly. So how many pages per minute? You know too much about how fast is the motor? Like, can it? Uh, Two point four gigahertz. I, yeah, gigapixels. Gigapixels. Uh, I I used to sell shredders, so I know way too much about the stupid, stupid stuff. I mean, listen, I I I, I for the first time last night, I actually shredded so much it jammed up, so that was not fun. Yeah, but there you go. I warned you. I literally you did. You, you did. I will say, I wanna I wanna like give like a quick explanation as to why like I think a shredder is important. Like I get a lot of, I mean, I get a lot of paper mail still, mm-hmm. so it's really ridiculous. Sure, I don't. I'm a spy. Have, okay. I also am a spy for mm-hmm. for in gadget, and I mean, pharmacies when they give you your medication, give you this like long list of instructions sure. but they print your name like 700 times along with all your identifying information mm-hmm. and so i really think and even as a piece of advice for anyone out there just make sure you even just tear up your your you know any tear piece of paper or, you know 
throw it in a bag and soak it in water. That'll also that's actually clever. I should have yeah. done that. Um, or burn it. No, don't burn don't it. Burn don't it. start a fire in your home. Don't. Just don't. Um, but yeah. So the shredder is like my new pet. I don't like actual <laughs> pets, and I you know want to get a robot dog. But for now, for I some feed reason, it keeps hurting you whenever you pet it. I don't. I don't know why. Because of my wet hands. Um, yeah. So, but but you know, I do have a lot of uh, questions for you about my shredder, Davinja. Why did I get a paper jam? Thank you. Because you you did you didn't take a break. That's why. That's what those stats also. They do mean also a lot. overheat. Like you need to. They overheat. They they will get jammed up. So you gotta like take it easy. Go one at a time. Um, if you have one that takes like credit cards and yes, CDs, yeah, then you got to be extra extra careful. Uh, shredders, I think, are a really good thing for any like home office. Uh, certainly, if you want to be secure. And then you guys, we care about your digital privacy and your real life privacy. And also, if you have any Shredder questions, please hit up at Davindra on Twitter. And please find the like weirdest question about Shredder you can ask, uh-huh. please. Well, everyone, that's it for our show today. Thank you, as always, for listening. Our theme music is by Dale North. Our outro music is by our very own managing editor, Terrence O'Brien. The podcast is produced by Ben Elm. You can find Davindra online at... Devendra on Twitter and uh, also at the slash filmcast at slash film.com. Go there for my Knives Out review. If you want to ask me how my shredder is faring lately, you can hit me up on Twitter at Sherlyn Love. Please send us any questions or feedback at podcastedengadget.com. Leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe on literally anything that gets podcasts. We're also on Spotify now. And come back next week for a brand new episode. <laughs> Happy Friday. <laughs>